You're listening to the Oddscast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA oddsmaker Nick Kalikas and MMA journalist Brian Hemminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting. MMAoddsbreaker.com. Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to the Oddscast. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading mixed martial arts oddsmaker Nick Kalikas of Circus Sports to break down this Saturday's UFC 260 event, which takes place in Las Vegas, Nevada. If you're unfamiliar with our format, Nick and I will break down the fight card from top to bottom, providing extensive analysis and a pick for each fight after doing our film study for the event. UFC 260 features a 10-fight card in total and will be aired on UFC Fight Pass, ESPN+, ESPN, and Pay-Per-View this Saturday night. Let's dive right in. Now, kicking things off on the preliminary card, we have a middleweight contest between Abu Azaitar, who is 14-2-1, and Marc-Andre Berrialt, who is 11-4. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? couple quick notes here before we get started. The opening betting odds that I will be quoting on this podcast are market opening numbers, and they are available on MMAOddsBreaker.com, the UFC 260 opening betting odds article done by Adam Martin, so you guys can check that out. And of course, the updated betting odds that I will be quoting are from Circa Sports, Circa Las Vegas, the D, Golden Gate, Tuscany Casino. If you're in Las Vegas, hit one of those spots and check out Circa Sports. It's the place to bet UFC and MMA in Las Vegas. And of course, if you're in Colorado, we have an app there as well. So check us out. That's circusports.com. Also, make sure you guys head over to UFC Fight Pass and check out UFC on the line for UFC 260. I will give out all of my official bets on that show. So make sure you show your love, especially if you're an MMA gambling enthusiast. That's a show you definitely want to check out. UFC on the line at UFC Fight Pass. Now, getting right into this week's card, as Brian mentioned, the first fight, Zaitar opened minus 155. Burial opened at plus 135. And right now, looking over at Circus Sports, we currently have Burial as a favorite, minus 120. The comeback on Zaitar is at even money. There's been a ton ton of action coming into this fight crazy because I wasn't expecting that much love um, in this spot especially a, a type of fight that's opening the card which should be a pretty solid one for sure but um, yeah like I said the betting public sharps on both sides of this uh, public action on both sides of this this has been an incredible handle for a fight like this honestly um, it's kind of a tricky one to pick I mean I'm, I'm leaning myself towards burial here as well because I think that he's just a little bit more solid in this spot Zaitar, I think he's got a lot of potential and he showed us you know what he's capable of at times but at the same time he's not getting any younger he's 35 years old I, I don't like that he has a bit of cardio issues he does tend to slow down as the fight progresses a little bit he gets himself sometimes in bad spots on the ground as well but he does have that knockout power and he is a, a very solid all-around fighter he transitions well off his back at times and uh, is capable of doing some good things I think Barrio is a little bit more consistent though I think he's going to be a little bit bigger I think he's going to use that size to possibly land some takedowns along the way or, or kind of grind on Izatar and then the striking is going to be close it'll be back and forth but I think Barrio is going to be the more effective striker possibly in this spot as well at least a little bit more steady I think he's got to be careful with the firepower that Izatar is going to throw back the other side but I think Burial can outpoint Izatar, whether it takes place on the feet or on the ground here, and edge out a decision win. So my pick is Burial, and at this spot, I mean, it's kind of tricky, but there might be a little bit of value, I guess, uh, leaning towards Burial. But again, I, I'm expecting this to hit the scorecards, um, possibly, and if it does, who knows with the state of MMA judging which way they're going to go. But I do lean towards Burial here. Yeah, Izatar, he is interesting because he had a pretty decent performance against uh, – 
tough Brazil veteran Vitor Miranda, and he's on a 10-fight winning streak, so you have to give him a little bit of credit here, but he also hasn't fought in almost three full years, and I just haven't been that impressed, even though he has been winning. Like, I don't think the the wins were even that great. Um, he's He's a bit of a brawler with some wrestling that helps him keep the fight upright, and... I think against somebody that is a bit of a killer on the feet with some good power in Burialt, um, I just don't know if a Zyter is going to be able to, to make those type of adjustments that maybe some higher tier middleweights in the UFC have been capable of making to, to beat Burialt. Because um, Burialt is beatable, but um, I think that he's going to be in a pretty good position here. Uh, he looked really good in his last fight, even if it did get... Uh, overturned by a, a drug test, but I think Berrialt is a good enough striker, probably, you know, a significantly better striker here, as long as he doesn't get suckered into a brawl. And, you know, Berrialt might even be able to out-wrestle him here. I just think uh, Berrialt is the better overall fighter, and as long as he keeps this a little bit more technical, he should win. And I think he also has uh, a bit of a uh, power edge too so uh, i wouldn't be shocked to see burialt knock a Zaitar out so uh, my pick is going to be burialt now dropping down to the featherweight division we have shane young who is 13 and 5 taking on omar morales who is 10 and 1 now nick what's the mma oddsmakers perspective on this one Morales open minus 180, the comeback on Young at plus 155. And right now looking over Circus Sports, we have Morales at minus 195, the comeback on Young at plus 170. Should be an interesting fight. I mean, first of all, we weren't sure if Young was going to actually make this fight because of COVID situation with his camp, but I'm glad to see that he did. UFC tested him multiple times and he's good to go. So it should be a pretty fun fight. I think it's going to be a little bit back and forth. I mean, both these guys are well-rounded. Um, Young's faced some solid competition thus far in the UFC. He's looked pretty solid despite... You know, being 2-2, two two, coming off that knockout loss, though, is kind of a head-scratcher, especially if he's going up against a finisher and a capable striker like Morales. I mean, Morales is – I know he's coming off a loss again to Chikazi in his last fight, but that was a pretty awesome fight, to be honest with you, back and forth. And Chikazi is a high-level striker, as we know, so I'm not surprised that he didn't get the W there. But in this spot, I think Young is a better matchup for him because I do think Morales is the better striker here. I think that he could stuff takedowns and get top position if needed on the ground as well. So I think this is going to be a difficult fight for Shane Young to win. I mean, he's a well-rounded guy, like I said, faced very good competition, and I think he can get on a winning streak here in the UFC if matched right. But I don't, unfortunately for him, I don't think that this is the spot he can win. So I am going to pick Morales. I think it's a favorite or pass situation at this point, And I'm expecting him to look really good in this spot and rebound from his last loss. And I'm right with you. Um, Morales struggled against Chikadze, but before that, uh, he looked like a world beater. I mean, he had some impressive performances uh, against Gabriel Benitez, Dong Hyung Ma. Um, he looked good on contender series. And, He's been on a, a nice stretch overall, so I think the guy's got talent, and I mean, he was doing well at lightweight. It was the drop down to featherweight, maybe just that the first fight jitters, and the fact that he was facing a really, really good featherweight prospect in Chikadze uh, that flustered him a little bit. Uh, but against Young, I think that's a lot more of an even matchup, um, and while Young does have this ability to... Uh, outvalue you because uh, he really does put together a lot of strikes and um, he can perhaps win a decision here. 
I think that Morales is going to be throwing the the more impactful strikes. So I'm going to go Morales. I think uh, he uh, should potentially be able to knock Young out if he connects with something nasty. And uh, I think that his power shots are going to be a little bit more convincing to the judges than maybe the volume of Young. But this should be a fun fight while it lasts. But my pick is going to be Morales. Now, moving up to the light heavyweight division, we have Modestus Bukowskis, who is 11-3, taking on Michael Oleksiejczyk, who is 14-4. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Oleksiejczyk, minus 167. Bukowskis at plus 139. That was the opening line. And right now, looking over Circus Sports, we have Olesacek at plus or minus 180. Excuse me. The comeback on Bukowskis at plus 155. Two-way action in this fight. A little bit more love showing up so far on Olesacek, of course. That's why the line elevated a little bit. But again, there's going to be a lot of two-way action in this fight because I think it's fairly competitive in most people's minds. I mean, it should be like a striker versus striker type of matchup. Both these guys like to stand and bang on the feet. I just think Olesacek is the better striker. I think he's more dangerous. I think he's more durable. So Bukaskis hasn't really shown us a whole lot of his takedown game, especially in the UFC thus far. I know he does have some, and he's got some submission ability as well. But I think Olesacek in this spot can kind of survive if – Bukaskis does want to go that route. And on the feet, I think it'll be competitive at times, and he's got to be careful because Bukaskis is going to be the bigger man, and he does have some power, obviously, on the feet as well. He, he makes things up decent, but I just think Ole Sechek will close that gap, find his way inside, and then just bust Bukaskis up and probably get the knockout finish along the way. So I do think Ole Sechek is you know, better than I think most people anticipate. I know he suffered a couple uh, losses here as of late with his submission game on the ground, but I think those were higher level, obviously ground fighters than what he's facing here in Bukowski. So this is a good spot for him. I think he's going to rebound and uh, start getting a win streak together. This guy is definitely a fun guy to watch in this weight class. And I think he's going to go far really, if he can put everything together and stuff those takedowns and get a little bit defensively sound on the ground. I think there's a lot of potential for Olesajek here. So I'm going to pick him and I think it's a favorite pass situation as well. And I agree with you. I expect this fight to stay standing. And if it stays standing, you got to favor Oleg Sejcik. Um Oleg Sejcik has had his struggles against people that have some submission games. And uh, while he had a really good run to start his UFC career, you know, he was ranked at one point after uh, having the no contest in his debut. And then, uh, you know, actually it was a win, but I think it got overturned. And then uh, he had uh, the... the impressive TKOs against uh, John Volante and Antigulov, but, you know, drop back down to earth getting submitted by St. Prue and Crute in his last two fights. Um, but I really don't think that's a huge threat here from Bukowskis. Uh, Bukowskis does have a couple submissions on his record, but they were uh, a bit earlier in his career. And uh, more recently, I mean, he has been all about the striking, um, he, and he does have power, so Oleg Sejcik is going to have to be a little bit careful, especially with uh, Bukowskis' elbows. I mean, they are impressive. Uh, if he can uh, get on the inside and, and crack those, get those elbows cracking, I mean, he could do some serious damage. He's, he's won with elbows in his last fight in Cage Warriors, and then uh, elbows helped him get uh, the finish in his UFC debut. Um, that being said, though, uh, Bukowskis can get uh, knocked out relatively quickly. Uh, it happened in Cage Warriors back in 2016. 
Um, and he got knocked out in two minutes by Crute most recently. So, um, Oleg Sechik, you know, I don't think he has a lot to fear on the ground and in the stand-up. Uh, I think if Oleg Sechak is willing to just get in a slugfest with this guy, as long as he doesn't let Bukowskis get too close and get those elbows going, um, if he keeps this in more boxing and kickboxing range, I think Oleg Sechak has a really good chance to not just win, but win by stoppage at some point by knockout or TKO. So uh, I just think Oleg Sechak's chin is going to hold up better. So I'm going to go with him. Uh, but I think this fight will be really fun for however long it lasts. But my pick is Oleg Sajic. Now, dropping down to the welterweight division, we have Jared Gooden, who is 17 and 5, taking on Abu Bakar Nurmagomedov, who is 15, 3 and 1. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Nurmagomedov opened minus 169, the comeback on Gooden at plus 141. And right now, looking at Circus Sports, Nurmagomedov minus 235, the comeback on Gooden at plus 200. I think a lot of people are believing this is Khabib fighting. Obviously, just joking. Um, that being said, still, the name carries a lot of value and a lot of weight for sure. I mean, the family, all very solid fighters, obviously. I mean, all grinders, all capable of competing at a high level. So this is a tough fight for Gooden. But, I mean, it's a tough spot here because the line's been bet up to minus 235, like I said. So at this point, I mean, if you're looking – Back through both of their fights, I mean, Gooden is a very solid, capable fighter, especially on the feet. I mean, he's got power. Um, he's got that kind of gritty toughness that you like to see in a fight, meaning that it doesn't matter. I mean, if you're having your advantages on him early on, he hangs in there, weathers some storms, and then comes back and, and makes life miserable for you at times as well. So you like to see that in a fighter. But here, I think he's going to have to definitely be on his toes, meaning that Nurmagomedov is not a bad striker. He's more known, I think, for his grappling, obviously his takedowns or whatnot too, but this is going to be a firefight on the feet. I, I think both of them can do damage back and forth here. And of course, the takedown game and the submission game overall and the ability to grapple goes to Nurmagomedov here. So I do think he's a slight favorite and he's capable of winning this fight anywhere it takes place. But that being said, we've seen him defensively just not be great at times on the ground. I mean, he gets submitted in spots that were possible wins for him so that's where you gotta i think be concerned with Nurmagomedov here and gooden does have a nasty guillotine choke um he's not a fish out of water in the ground he's not the easiest guy to take down and then once you get on top of him he manages to kind of get off the ground and off his back fairly quick as well so this fight will probably stay up on the feet and it'll be a doozy but i think Nurmagomedov probably edges this out but at the price i don't think you could touch it so i would stay away from it he's just too concerning i think defensively more so than anything else to bet him at this high chalk price currently right now. So I think it's going to be a fun fight, but I'm going to pick Nurmagomedov, but be careful for your betting this one. And I'm going to go Nurmagomedov as well. Um, Gooden did not impress me that much in his UFC debut against Joe Ban. Uh, I thought, you know, Joe Ban might have been a little bit vulnerable to uh, the knockout, and he just did not seem to have uh, that ability to break through Joe Ban's defenses. And uh, overall, I just thought that um, and overall, I just thought that he seemed like a relatively below average UFC caliber welterweight. Now, Nurmagomedov, he has the that name, but he has not had the same success uh, in the UFC or even at the, the really high levels. I mean, he struggled a little bit at in the PFL. Um, he struggled... 
in his final PFL fight against uh, Velikovic uh, with a draw. And then in his UFC debut, he ended up getting uh, triangle choked by Zawada, which was a bit of a surprise as well. So uh, I'm a little concerned about what I've seen out of him so far. But that being said, uh, I still think that he's the better fighter here than Gooden. Um, he had a pretty good run for the most part uh, before, uh, you know, his last like three or four fights. And uh, I do think that he does still have a strong ground game and he's a capable striker. Not great, but uh, I think uh, that um, Nurmagomedov should be good enough to beat a low tier UFC welterweight. This feels like a bit of a makeup fight for him. And I think he does make it up. So uh, my pick is going to be Nurmagomedov. I think he probably wins a decision. But if he can get the ground game going and get top position, uh, Gooden has struggled against uh, UFC quality opponents in the past. And Nurmagomedov might be able to get a finish from uh, TKO from top position ground and pound, maybe even a submission going. So uh, Nurmagomedov will be my pick. Now moving up to the light heavyweight division for the preliminary card headliner, we have Alonzo Menafield, who is nine and two, taking on Fabio Charant, who is seven and one. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmakers perspective on this one? Menafield opened minus 250, the comeback on Sharant at plus 210. Now, obviously, this is a spot where you got to be careful because Sharant is coming into this fight on super short notice. He had a fight a few weeks back, so he was in fight shape at that time. Then after the fact, we don't know. I mean, you know, a lot of times these guys want to chill and relax their bodies, and then they get an opportunity to step into the UFC, and they take it no matter what. So that's kind of, I think, the question mark where Sharant is physically at this point. But I tell you what, if both these guys were fresh, it would be a fun fight. I think it would definitely be a spot where Sharant could possibly pull off the upset. Uh, but since he is taking this fight on short notice, I think you do have to side with Menafield here. I mean, the guy's a beast. Obviously, we we know what he's capable of on the feet. I mean, the guy is a powerhouse. He's capable of knocking anybody out in this weight class at light heavyweight for sure. But as the fight progresses, he does tend to slow down. And defensively, again, there is a concern, especially on the ground with him as well. And now we've seen him get clipped and knocked out. So Menafield, there's some question marks, honestly. I mean, coming into the UFC, there was a lot of hype. And uh, he kind of delivered, obviously. But now at this point, we're starting to see as the competition level steps up, we're starting to see him struggle somewhat. But this is a step down in competition. Uh, but Sharon is another one of these guys, I think, that he has a ton of potential. And if you look at him, he's an athletic freak as well. I mean, the guy's big, strong, physical. He's got some speed. He's got the better ground game here. So if he can kind of weather that early storm for Manifield, I think he could win this fight. So it's a dog or pass situation, despite him stepping in on short notice. But Again, I think he's going to kind of slow down as the fight progresses as well. So we could see this fight come, if it gets in round two, come to a point where it slows down and it's just a grueling, like, can they make it to the end type of fight? I don't know. It's going to be craziness. I mean, both these guys have enough finishing ability back and forth that really we don't know what exactly to expect. But I think most people are thinking Metafield's going to come in here and knock Sharon out. I am going to pick him to win. I just don't trust it, especially... If you're having to lay where the current price is at minus 285 right now for Metafield to come back on Sharant plus 240, like I said, I think as it gets closer to three to one, you cannot bet this fight. Just stay away from it. It should be a fun one. Somebody's probably getting put to sleep and just enjoy it. But as far as a betting window goes, I think you stay away from it. But my pick will be Metafield. And I'm going to go with Metafield as well. Uh, my main issue is uh, Sharant has struggled when he stepped up. 
Uh, he has performed pretty well in the CES promotions and LFA, but he got an opportunity on Contender Series. And while he was doing okay, uh, he ended up getting a knee in the face and knocked out. So uh, the one loss that he does have is right up Menafield's wheelhouse. Uh, Menafield, while he may not be quite as uh, polished as I thought he was, like, I thought that he might have been a, a potential player at 205 after the way he, his career started. But, uh, you know, his last two losses against guys that are, you know, fringe top 15-ish uh, light heavyweights, you know, have kind of showed that, you know, he does have a bit of a ceiling, at least at this point. But uh, I, I do think that Charant is a, a very beatable. I mean, uh, unless Charant can outlast Menafield or perhaps really get the ground game going, even though he is a bit more of a striker. You know, the the, the fight record might say he's a grappler, but uh, the guy does like to, to stand and trade in his fights. Um, but uh, I just think Menafield's the better striker here. He's a bit longer. He's got way better knockout power. And the fact that Charant has been caught and clipped and finished, you know, in the last two years um, makes me lean more towards Menafield here. Uh, I think, uh, you know, the the star has faded on Menafield, but he is still a serviceable UFC light heavyweight, and he should be able to beat somebody like Charant. I I probably wouldn't have favored Menafield in his original matchup against Knight before that, uh, you know, the opponent changed. But I do think that this is a much better opportunity. And the fact that Charant is coming in on short notice... Uh, maybe against somebody at lower tier in the light heavyweight division, I'd give Charanda a decent chance, but, uh, I think Menafield gets the job done probably by first round knockout. So Menafield is my pick. Now, moving on to the main card in the lightweight division, we have Jamie Malarkey, who is 12 and 4, taking on Kama Worthy, who is 16 and 7. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmakers perspective on this one? Worthy open minus 190, the comeback on Malarkey at plus 165. And right now, what we're seeing at Circus Sports, Worthy all the way down to minus 125, the comeback on Malarkey at plus 05. So obviously, the dog money value is gobbled up. A lot of people believe in Mark Malarkey can win this fight. A lot of sharp action coming in that way as well. I think it's right, though. I mean, I do respect Worthy. I think he's extremely dangerous. He's showed that time and time again thus far in the octagon. And, you know, he showed us a bit of a well-rounded game as well. But the problem with Worthy is his chin has always been an issue. I mean, he's been knocked out six times throughout his career. Malarkey is not really known as the devastating one-punch knockout power type of guy, but I think his striking is a little bit underrated, and I think he could definitely give uh, Worthy some problems here on the feet as well. But what I like about Malarkey in this spot is that he can mix things up. He will go to his wrestling when he has to. I think he's got the better submission game overall as well. So I think he has more ways to win this fight. Where Worthy, I think, can be competitive. I mean, if it's, it's the scorecards, I'm not expecting it to be a blowout either way. It's going to probably be a 29-28 competitive type of decision win for Malarkey, I think. But um, that being said, I think Worthy's best best path to victory is knocking uh, Malarkey out and making it clear, which is possible. I mean, again, he's got that kind of knockout power for sure, but I think the better mixed martial artist is Malarkey in this spot. So it's a dog or pass situation. So I'm going to take Malarkey to win this fight. I think you have to kind of lean his way. And if you're going to bet this fight, like I just said, it's dog or kind of stay away from it at this point. Still, despite it being all the way down to plus 05, plus 10, I don't think you lay chalk on the worthy side here. So my pick is Malarkey and I think he gets it done. And I'm going to come in the other way. Uh, Malarkey 
might be the the slightly more well-rounded fighter here, but I kind of like all the risks that Worthy takes. I mean, they've paid off so far for the most part in his uh, UFC run. I mean, he picks up the the, the big time win against Devonte Smith, and then uh, he goes and uh, chokes out Luis Pena in a, a thrilling battle. Um, but, you know, he did come back down to earth. I mean, as Nick said, he gets knocked out when he loses and Atman Azaitar blasted him and finished him. So, um, I am a little concerned about, uh, him getting knocked out in this fight and it totally could happen. But, um, I think that his aggression might help him overwhelm Malarkey. I mean, you saw... Uh, Malarkey has struggled so far in the UFC. Um, before uh, he came to the UFC, he had a decent run in the featherweight division uh, back in uh, like the brace promotion. Um, and then he moved up to lightweight and he hasn't quite had that same success, especially in the UFC, losing uh, decisions to uh, Riddell and slightly controversial decision most recently to uh, Zion. So, you know, I'm not that high on Malarkey. I think he does have some talent. He's relatively well-rounded and he's got some power, so he could win by knockout. But uh, I wouldn't be shocked to see uh, Worthy catch him in a submission or Worthy knock him out. I mean, this guy has power, he's dangerous, um, and he's aggressive. And uh, while he does have those chin issues, um, the fact that he doesn't hide behind them and just constantly just try to protect everything and, and the fact that he goes for it um, makes him dangerous. So Malarkey absolutely can win by knockout, but I think that's the only way he wins. I think uh, Worthy could win a decision here. I think Worthy could knock Malarkey out, and I think Worthy could submit him. So uh, my pick is going to be uh, Kama Worthy. Now... Dropping down to the women's flyweight division, we have Jillian Robertson, who is nine and five, taking on Miranda Maverick, who is eight and two. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Maverick minus one seventy-five. The comeback on Robertson at plus one fifty. Now we have to say that a while back, this fight a few weeks back was supposed to take place as well, and the line was a little bit lower for Maverick, but sharp action coming in on Maverick ended up escalating the line a little bit, and then. The fight was canceled, rebooked. Now here we are with the higher price on Maverick, which if you're betting Maverick, not a good spot. I mean, it's, it kind of sucks that the line did get bet up to where it is now and the value is starting to go away. But it's still, I think, a favorite pass situation here, despite all the success and respect that Robertson gets at the betting window oftentimes. I mean, her ground game is so dominant when she gets top position. It's hard to kind of deal with her. She has a submission ability as well. So that's her path to victory here. If she can get Maverick on her back and then start working and utilizing her ground game. But I just think Maverick is a very solid ground fighter as well. I mean, she hasn't been put on her back if you look historically throughout her fights. I mean, so Robertson may be able to get a takedown. I just don't think Robertson is going to be able to submit her on the ground. And I think Maverick is going to be able to get off her back, possibly get top position. And then on the feet, it's kind of a blowout. I think Maverick is by far the better striker here. And I wouldn't be surprised if she gets top position on Robertson and controls this fight or possibly even submits her because offensively, her ground game is solid as well. So I think Maverick is a more complete fighter. I think she's going to be able to basically sprawl brawl for the most part, keep this fight upright and do damage along the way and probably win this fight. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a stoppage. If he hits a scorecard, so I do think Maverick wins this fight. If there is going to be a finish, obviously people out there are going to be expecting it to be Robertson, but I think Maverick has that in her back pocket as well. So 
I like Maverick here. I think she gets it done. Just be careful as the line escalates towards 200. I mean, it's it's becoming a di- more difficult spot to bet for sure. And I've already broken this fight down when it was originally scheduled at the last UFC pay-per-view before it uh, fell apart at the last second. And I really haven't changed that much in terms of uh, my thinking for it. I think the only thing that's really different is uh, people have sided a little bit more with Maverick this time around uh, at the betting window. So um, I think on the ground, yeah, Robertson's a threat. Clearly, she has a good submission game. But I think Maverick might be the better wrestler here. So as Nick said, if it goes to the ground, Maverick might be on top. And on the feet, Maverick has really made some serious strides. I mean, she looked terrific in her last fight in the stand-up uh, against Jojua. I mean, she lit Jojua up. That was a striking clinic. Um, so she clearly has really put in the time. And I think that she's a dangerous striker at this point. Um, and... Uh, I just don't think that Robertson's wrestling is enough to get this fight to the floor and get the fight going her way. So I'm going to go with Miranda Maverick. I think that she wins a one-sided striking bout on the feet. And if it goes to the ground, Maverick's going to be on top and should avoid uh, getting submitted by Robertson off of her back. So uh, Maverick is going to be my pick. Now moving up to the Bantamweight division, we have Thomas Almeida, who is 22-4, taking on Sean O'Malley, who is 12-1. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? O'Malley opened minus 250, Almeida plus 210. And right now, looking over at Circus Sports, we currently have O'Malley minus 330 to come back on Almeida plus 275. So line did get bet up a little bit. Some sharp action coming in on O'Malley as well, and not surprising, really. I mean, this is a striker versus striker type of matchup here, and O'Malley is the better striker. I think he's the more durable fighter. I mean, that being said, I understand. I mean, we've seen some head-scratching moments with O'Malley, especially in his legs. I mean, he's a little bit fragile, it seems, when it comes to the kicking game, when people are leg-kicking him or whatnot. We've seen what happened in his last fight against Vera, but even the Sukmintop fight a while back, I mean, he struggled in that fight with um, you know some leg punishment as well. So... That is the thing you got to be concerned about O'Malley. I don't know. I mean, if there's any weakness to his game, it's definitely his leg defense. I mean, checking those kicks and, and just kind of tweaking his ankles, whatever the case may be. I mean, that's the concern. I think the most you got to worry about O'Malley. Outside of that, though, this guy's a killer on the feet. And I think Almeida has shown us time and time again that he's obviously a very capable striker and a dynamic and explosive striker capable of knocking people out. But defensively, and durability is an issue with Omeda. He gets knocked out. And O'Malley, I mean, it's not all hype with him. If you look how his striking kind of puts gets put together and how he kind of flows with his striking game, I mean, this guy is a very effective and capable striker. So it's not a fluke. It's not all hype. This guy is a very effective and I think one of the better strikers in the bandboy division offensively for sure. So I think he ends up finishing Almeida along the way and gets him out of there. Um, and it will be a fun fight while it lasts, so to speak. And Omeda, of course. At this spot, he could possibly torch O'Malley. If he's smart, he's going to try to get those leg kicks working as well. Uh, But outside of that, I think it's probably going to be O'Malley getting the W here. I don't expect this fight to go that long. Maybe we see it trickle into the second round. But beyond that, I don't think it hits the third round. So I think it's an O'Malley or pass situation. Or if you're looking to bet this fight, you could throw him in a parlay. I mean, there's still a little bit of value, believe it or not, I think at minus 330. So wouldn't blame you guys to throw O'Malley in a parlay or look for the props here uh, inside the distance or possibly by knockout. That might be the way to bet this fight for O'Malley. But my pick is O'Malley. I think he does get it done against Omeda. 
Yeah, this is kind of the battle of the Bantamweight prospects who had their uh, hype trains derailed. I mean, Almeida at one point was 20-0 and and serious title contender uh, before he got knocked out by Cody Garbrandt um, in a, a battle of undefeated Bantamweights that kind of allowed Garbrandt to fight for the belt. Um, O'Malley, you know, he he's also coming off of a, a very, very disappointing performance against Marlon Vera. So... That being said, uh, Almeida has not responded well to that loss. I mean, he came back and got a win back in 2016, but he has been very inactive and has lost uh, his last three fights, um, two of them by decision to uh, Jimmy Rivera and Jonathan Martinez. And then he also got uh, knocked out by Rob Font. So it's been a rough stretch here for Almeida. I mean, he went from top of the world to losing four out of five. Uh, and basically maybe even fighting for his UFC career here or livelihood. Um, that being said with, uh, O'Malley, I think that he does still have some ability and he has still, you know, he's only uh, a year removed from that incredible knockout against Eddie Wineland and he just destroyed him. Um, so, uh, I think that he does still have more in the tank here. Um, that last fight did not go well. Uh, what, you know, say what you want about, you know, those, those calf kicks, the, the, the low kicks that Vera was able to land that, uh, O'Malley ended up hurting himself. But, uh, Almeida is still a dangerous striker. So O'Malley has to take him seriously. He can't, uh, you know, drop his hands or do something silly because, uh, Almeida does still have some really dangerous, uh, kicking, jumping knees, uh, all kinds of crazy attacks. Um, he's still very capable of landing those, but as we've seen throughout his career, even before, uh, he ended up getting that first loss, uh, the chin was an issue. So, uh, and O'Malley has ridiculous power. So if O'Malley connects, I think Almeida's in big, big trouble, but, Almeida might be slightly technically better than than O'Malley. I mean, I'm it. I think it's close. So uh, I think this fight's going to be competitive up until somebody gets knocked out. And I think it's much more likely that Almeida's the one that gets knocked out just because of his history of chin issues. So I'm going to go with O'Malley, but I wouldn't be stunned to see Almeida pull off a shocker here. But my pick is O'Malley. Now, moving on to the co-main event in the welterweight division, we have Tyron Woodley, who is 19-6-1, taking on Vicente Luque, who is 19-7-1. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Luque minus 240, Woodley plus 205. That was the opening price. Right now at Circus Sports, we have Luque minus 245, the comeback of Woodley at plus 210. This has definitely been interesting because early on we saw a bunch of sharp action coming in on Woodley at the sports books, and now we're starting to see some sharp action come back in on Luque. So depending on the price, I think that's where the sharps are kind of looking to bet this fight, obviously, which as expected. I mean, to me, the, the price is kind of an nicer where it is now, so to speak, where Luque being a minus 245 favorite. I mean, we wouldn't expect that not long ago. I mean, Woodley was a dominant welterweight champion. Uh, say what you will about him, but the guy was definitely the king of the welterweight division for a little while. His wrestling, his takedown defense, his explosive power in the feet. I mean, the guy has put it together really well. And his title reign was a bit strange because we didn't get to see him as active as we would have liked to see him. But that being said, he was champion for a reason. And 
Unfortunately for him, I mean, it seems like his better days are behind him. A lot of people believe that he's a shot fighter. I mean, his performance in his last three bouts against the likes of Covington, Burns, Usman. I mean, we've seen how those played out. Not very good, but those are the top three arguably welterweights in the world right now as well. So I think you got to cut Woodley a little bit of slack there. He is getting a step down in competition, as crazy as it is to say with Luke, because I know Luke is a very amazing fighter in his own right. I mean, the guy's a finisher. The guy's a fun guy to watch. He loves to stand and bang, but he has a capable ground game and he puts everything together well. But I think that part of me at least thinks that Willie's going to come out here and try to wrestle a little bit. He's going to try to grind Luke out. It's a smaller cage. I think he's going to try to slow this down and not get bullied. He's going to try to be the bully here. But Luke, I mean, he's he looks good. He's always improving. He's getting stronger. It's, it might not be as easy as we think either, but that's where the caution lies with me as far as the betting window goes. I don't think you can lay minus 245 on Luke because I think if, if we do see a glimpse of what Woodley once had, then this could be a very tough fight for Luke to win. I mean, we've seen Luke in the past get put on his back and controlled a little bit by wrestlers. Uh, we ha- just haven't seen enough of that lately because that's not the kind of matchups that Luke's had to deal with. So I think this is definitely an intriguing spot for both fighters. Woodley desperately needs a win to stay relevant in the welterweight division, maybe even to keep his spot on the roster. So I expect to see some good from him. But as far as a pure pick, I have to pick Luke. I mean, if this was a pick on price, of course I'd go Luke's way. But the problem here is it's not a pick on It's a minus 245 price tag. So that's where the caution, like I said earlier, lies um, in this bout. But my pure pick will be Luke. I want to see Woodley kind of deliver before I go straight picking him again. I mean, we have to see some life out of Willie before you can have any kind of confidence, but betting's a whole different beast. So I'll pick Luke, but stay away from it. I think if you're better here and just kind of see how this fight plays out. Yeah. For me, it just boils down to how much does Tyron Woodley have left? Because if he's still even close to the fighter that was UFC champion, he should be able to win this fight. I mean, Vicente Luque is a good welterweight, but he's not a great welterweight. When he steps it up against the top guys, he struggles. Um, we've seen that time and time again. Like He can beat the Nico Prices and the Mike Perrys of the world in the welterweight division. He wins pretty one-sidedly. And he was able to even uh, beat, you know, below Muhammad, who has, uh, you know, started to become a, a bit of a player at welterweight. But that was early in Muhammad's UFC career. But... When he gets in there against like the Leon Edwardses and the Stephen Thompsons, he struggles. Uh, we've just seen that kind of over and over again. So what this fight boils down to is, is Woodley still at that level of, you know, a Leon Edwards or a Stephen Thompson? I know, you know, we're not that far removed from Woodley having back-to-back, you know, competitive, close five-round fights with Thompson. If that Woodley was stepping into the cage, I think he could have a decent chance to beat uh, Vicente Luque. But if we see the Woodley that just got steamrolled in back-to-back fights by uh, Covington and Burns, um, then I don't know. Like I, I really am not convinced. I know that those are completely different opponents and they are really high level opponents, you know, two of the best guys in the world at 170, but Woodley looked bad in both of those fights. He just, he looked like he couldn't pull the trigger on the feet. He looked like he got overwhelmed by opponent's volume. He looked like he couldn't hold his own with his wrestling or ground game. So Nick was totally right that Luke has struggled when he faces good technical strikers or people that have the ability to uh, take him down without getting submitted. But 
is Woodley still that guy? I just don't know. Like, I really don't. If I mean, he could come in here and just steamroll Luke. And I would not be shocked because, you know, we're less than three years removed from Woodley dominating Darren Till in a title defense. So I know that guy exists, but he is, you know, 38 years old and coming off of back to back to back, you know, losses where he was not that competitive again against three of the best welterweights on the planet. But he was not competitive. So, I mean, I just don't know where he's at right now. I mean, this could be, you know, his last fight if he doesn't perform well. So, uh, I'm going to side with Father Time here and go on the side of uh, Vicente Luque. But, again, uh, you know, if that was only because Woodley was facing three of the best guys in the world, then he could definitely be capable of winning this fight. But I'm going to go with Luque, I think... uh, he has some good striking technique. He has, uh, you know, I don't think the submissions are going to come into play, but I think uh, the pace and volume, which have been lacking pretty badly by Woodley, uh, are he's going to have trouble keeping up with Luke if uh, he still is hesitant out there. So uh, my pick is Luke, but again, you know, Tyron Woodley could go out there and destroy him, and I would not be shocked. Now, this brings us to the main event of the evening in the heavyweight division. We have a rematch for the UFC heavyweight title champion, Stipe Miocic, who is 20-3, taking on challenger Francis Ngannou, who is 15-3. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Ngannou opened minus 225, the comeback on Stipe at plus 190. And right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is Ngannou minus 140, the comeback on Stipe at plus 120. This was all the way down to minus 120, minus 125. Tons of money coming in on Stipe. I can understand it. I mean, Stipe is the greatest heavyweight of all time for a reason. The guy's such just a good person in and outside of the cage. I mean, he's put the work in to get himself at the top and be the GOAT in the heavyweight division. So... His game planning from his team, underrated, the strong style fight team, and Marcus Marinelli and crew over there are just phenomenal. And they just put their focus and, and efforts into Stipe, and it's just such a good team effort from all everybody included that it's all kind of worked out for him, and it's got him where he is today. So hats off to all those guys there. But he's got a very difficult challenge in front of him here with Ngano. We all know that. I mean, the first fight, I think a lot of people are attracted to the way that played out and saw the path to victory for Stipe. And it's getting those takedowns and kind of wearing Ngano out and surviving that first round, that sweet spot. But I don't know if it's going to be that easy, man. That was a grueling fight. The UFC put some photos out, obviously, even after the fact and seen how exhausted both these guys were. I mean, after the fight. And Stipe came out with a win, and it still looked like he got hit by a truck. Crazy, right? But that's how grueling it is. Mentally, physically, every aspect of this fight, these guys are going out there and laying it all on the line. And it's definitely a tough spot for both gentlemen. I mean, if Stipe is going to have to win this, he's going to have to weather another two very difficult rounds, I think. Get this in a third, fourth, and fifth round and possibly look for a finish or keep on doing what he did last time and just grind him out and slow this fight down and be effective along the way. So, his path to victory is there, and it could be repeated for sure. I just think a few tweaks in Ngano's game, and he's going to possibly win this fight and knock Stipe out. I mean, the guy, obviously, we've seen time and time again, his knockout power is through the roof. I think I said it on the UFC on the line show. I mean, it, he reminds me of a Mike Tyson for the UFC in the, in the MMA I mean, world. It's like that kind of 
mystique and that kind of power, and he shows it time and time again. I mean, he doesn't just knock opponents out. He destroys opponents that are in front of him. He's got that special kind of knockout power, and it's not like he's a sloppy, sloppy fighter. I understand some of the footage out there and the way he kind of opens himself up when he lunges into the punching. At times, it looks like it looks like he is a little bit unorthodox or sloppy, but I mean, make no mistake, this guy is also a very technical and capable striker that way as well. Sometimes he does rush things like everybody, right? The I mean, the blueprint, you try to be disciplined at times, and then you go out there, the fight starts, and you kind of get thrown off your game plan a little bit, and you get too aggressive and too excited. So we see that time and time again, but make no mistake, Ngano is not a sloppy striker. He's an effective, accurate, powerful striker. So... I think his wrestling is going to be better here. I think his conditioning is going to be better in this spot as well. So this is going to be a lot tougher of a fight for Stipe. And Nagano should be the rightful favorite in this spot. So I love Stipe. I love his reign. I think he will always been be recognized unless Ngano goes on a crazy title streak and um, defense streak on his own here if he does get the victory over Stipe. I mean, I think Stipe will go down as the greatest heavyweight of all time, win or lose his fight. Um, but that being said, I do think he probably gets knocked out by Ngano. So I think it's going to be a hard couple rounds for him. He might not get out of the first. If he does get out of the first, I don't think he's getting out of the second. I think Ngano probably finishes Stipe and becomes the new heavyweight champion. I mean, we've all kind of been waiting for it. He's been waiting patiently to get this opportunity, and it's finally here for him. I think he probably delivers. So hard for me to say that. I mean, but I got to do my job and give you guys my honest take on this because, I mean, as a human being, like I said, and as – as far as respect goes, I mean, there's not many more fighters in in the history of the UFC that I've really come to like other than Stipe. So it's hard for me to pick against the guy or even possibly bet against the guy. But I just think it's a bad matchup for him despite his success in the first fight. And I think Ngano gets it done. So my pick is Ngano and likely by knockout. And I'm going to agree with you. I mean, Stipe Miocic, I think, is the, the more well-rounded, talented fighter of the two. But Francis Ngannou is this unstoppable wrecking machine. And while I think Miosic was able to weather that storm the first time around, you know, we're looking at a more seasoned Nganu, like just a more motivated, I think better trained. Um, just everything about Nganu seems a little bit different this time. Uh, I know that Nganu went through his struggles. Um, after the Miosic loss, he had that Derek Lewis, you know, just fiasco where he just stared at him for three rounds. But ever since then, um, something has gotten into him. I mean, Curtis Blades, 45 seconds, knockout. Cain Velasquez, 26 seconds, knockout. Junior Dos Santos, minute 11, knockout. And then Jerzino Rosenstruik, who was, you know, undefeated at the time, 20 seconds, knockout. I mean, just absolutely obliterated everybody to, to get back in this title picture. Um, and it's tough to deny him here. I mean, Stipe Miocic is a good, solid, technical boxer. Um, he can, has a, pushes a good pace. He mixes it up. Uh, he can also throw in the, some takedowns, but man, all it takes from Nganu is one shot. And since Miocic got the win over Nganu, we've seen him get knocked out by Cormier. We've seen him then have, you know, back-to-back, you know, wars with Cormier, where for three rounds he was losing, and then he, you know, dramatic fourth-round comeback uh, with the, the body shots. And then in the, the rematch, the trilogy, he won a competitive five-round decision with Cormier. So, you know, he has had some grueling bouts, taking a lot of damage, and every 
every uh, fight that he's had since Nganu has been Cormier, all three of them. So, uh, you know, I think that he's he's going to struggle a little bit here. You know, I know at heavyweight that age isn't quite as much of a factor, but Miosic is 38 now. So, uh, you know, three years older than he was before. I think the chin, you know, has taken some hits. And every time, you know, you get hit and you get hurt, I think the chin just gets a little bit worse. And I'm not saying Stipe has a bad chin because he can he can take it. And he took a couple shots from Nganu the first time around. Um, but he did get hurt and knocked out by Cormier. And he did get hurt a couple times uh, the, against Cormier uh, in the, the last two fights. So um, uh, he has taken some damage. So I, I'm concerned. You know, I think uh, that Miosic is going to be doing his best to play Matador and try to repeat what he did the last time, but I don't think it's going to be as effective this time around. Like Nick said, I think Nganu's wrestling is going to be better. I think Nganu's striking is going to be better. I think his conditioning is going to be better. And I don't know how much better Miosic is. Um, so I think uh, this is Nganu's time. I think that Miosic will be holding his own for however long this fight lasts, but the second Nganu lands that one big shot, I think it's over. So uh, I'm going to go with Francis Ngannou. I think that he is going to be your new UFC heavyweight champion, and I think he wins by knockout. So that'll do it for a full event breakdown for UFC 260. If we have any free plays to give out, make sure to follow at MMAOBPremium on Twitter because that's where we'll post them first. We also have a free bet section on MMAOddsBreaker.com. Just check out the free bets tab on the top of our webpage. Remember, check out MMA Oddsbreaker Premium. Good luck, everyone, and hopefully the betting gods are on your side this weekend. <laughs>